Philippians chapter number 3, uh, verses 12 through 14. Philippians chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 12. The Bible says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The title of the message this evening is Press On. And we're talking about making New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions. And uh, we've prayed. So go ahead and be seated. And we'll get right into the message uh, just about everywhere you look, the top 10 New Year's resolutions are pretty much the same or very similar. Uh, here are some of the most popular New Year's resolutions that people make each and every year. Number one, New Year's resolution, lose weight. Ah, I think I've made that the last 10 years. Anyway, um, number two, number one, lose weight. Number two, very popular New Year's resolution, reduce debt. Reduce debt. Number three, spend more time, spend more quality time, rather, with my family and my friends. Number four, quit smoking. That'd be a good New Year's resolution. Amen. Uh, number five, here's a, here's a funny one. Get organized. Get organized. Uh, number six, New Year's resolution. Get a better job. Uh, number seven, New Year's resolution. Read a book. Uh, number eight, Learn something new. Number nine, stick to a budget. And number ten, for all you singles out there, find your soulmate. Find your soulmate. Uh, These are the some some form, some uh, order of these, or there's probably some different ones. These are the most uh, common ones, the most popular resolutions. We know that at this time of year, the ending of a calendar year, rather, uh, and the beginning of a new calendar year, people make New Year's resolutions. Uh, they try to resolve, most people do, uh, to accomplish in the upcoming year something that they could not accomplish in the past year. Uh, and so uh, New Year's resolutions, there's, uh, there's a... Some people feel good about New Year's resolutions. They're for New Year's resolutions. Others are, are anti-New Year's resolutions. I remember I, I often tried to, uh, I used to make New Year's resolutions and then I stopped making New Year's resolutions because I couldn't keep my New Year's resolutions and so it was discouraging. Uh, but something changed when my daughters were teenagers, uh, when they were uh, in their teenage years and they would go off to teen camp. They would go to teen camp, and you know at teen camps, if you're familiar with uh, teen uh, Bible camps, they, uh, it's fiery preaching, it's, it's exciting, it's fun. It's, I mean, you're in the zone, spiritually speaking, uh, and you're challenged as a teenager to make decisions for the Lord. And many times these teenagers, they make some, some tremendous decisions. They, uh, I mean, they make some momentous decisions for God and they decide to get rid of certain things. They decide to start doing uh, some good things and get rid of some bad things. And they make these decisions and yet, however, they're not able to hold on to those resolutions. They're not able to hold on to those decisions. And so they become discouraged. And so maybe they keep their resolution or their decision, they keep it for a month, or maybe they keep it for two months, or, or maybe they, uh, they might even do well and keep it for six months. And, but eventually at some point, and not every single time, but most of the time at some point the wheels come off and they're not able to keep that resolution. I've seen teenagers in the ministry that uh, they, they decide that I'm going to go to teen camp, but I'm not going to make any decisions. 
I'm not going to make any decisions. The reason they choose not to make decisions is because they feel they cannot keep the decisions that they've made. I, I bet that there's a lot of people that feel that same exact way about New Year's resolutions. They say, I've tried New Year's resolutions and, and I do well for a month or I do well for two months or I do well for even maybe three or four months. But then the wheels come off and I'm not able to keep my resolution. When my daughters were teenagers and I, I, I experienced this, uh, what I would call this, this yo-yo back and forth, back and forth. Well, I'm committed to, to Christ and, you know, they kind of s- stop being committed like they were before. And then they get back to it and, and they go back and forth and back and forth. Uh, what I learned was, you know, you may not be able to keep that resolution. You may not be able to keep that decision forever or for the rest of this year. But listen, for that one month, for those two months, for those three months... For however long you're able to keep it, you're closer to God, at least for that time, than you were before. Is everybody with me tonight? So I'm encouraging each and every one of us, don't give up on resolving. Don't give up on making decisions and resolutions. Because even if we're not able to keep them for the entire year, at least for a month we were able to keep it. I hope and pray it's at least for a week we're able to keep it. Uh, At least for a few months we're able to be closer to God than we were prior to making the decision. You see, Curtis Hudson, whom I like to quote very often, uh, he, uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord. He wrote a book uh, entitled Some Things I've Learned When He Was In His Later Years. One of the chapters I've never forgotten in my entire life, he said, In order for you to keep balance in your life, you must always make adjustments. And he used this illustration. He says, if you take a, a broom handle, a broomstick, and most of us, if not all of us, have done this. We've taken a broomstick and, and balanced that broomstick on the palm of our hand. How many of you have done that? How many have ever done that? Okay, so most of us, we've done that. In order for that broomstick to remain upright, what do you have to do with your hand? Constantly adjust it. Constantly move it. And that's the same way it is in our Christian walk. In order to keep balance, in order to try to uh, keep those resolutions and those decisions we've made, we're going to always have to adjust, always have to make some adjustments and some changes to keep that balance. You see, we see the Apostle Paul here in Philippians chapter number three. uh, He had a goal. He had a resolution, if you will. He had a desire and his goal was to press toward the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He wanted his aim was to glorify the Lord in his life. Uh, He wanted to shoot for honoring God in his life. He realized that as a Christian, he had a high calling on himself. The financial company TD Ameritrade recently confirmed something that we have known for years. Uh, People give up on their New Year's resolutions way too easily. The TD Ameritrade study conducted for the firm uh, by Harris Interactive said that among adults making resolutions, nearly 60% of those pledges are related to finances. More than half of those resolutions, according to this study, will be abandoned within a month, while roughly 80% of respondents failed to keep their resolve for the entire year. So here it is again. Are you going to make a New Year's resolution? Some of you had already decided before this service tonight, I'm not doing New Year's resolutions. Uh, and that's okay. If that's what you decide, that's fine. But what I'm saying to you tonight, uh, there's a reason why we have an invitation at every service. For us to make a resolution. To make a decision. 
to decide that what I have heard, what the Holy Spirit has spoken to me about, I'm going to choose to obey. I'm going to choose to submit. I'm going to, okay, maybe I didn't do it well this past week, but I'm going to try to do better this week. Uh, Maybe I didn't do that well uh, yesterday. I'm going to try to do better today. That's why it's so important for for us to have a daily time with the Lord. Hitting the reset button on our spiritual life. Hitting the reset button on on how we are doing and how things are going. And listen, we don't want to get stuck in a rut for the Lord. That's why we make decisions. Resolutions, in my opinion, are a good thing. Uh, There's something that we must do. We must resolve to answer to, to do what the Lord has called us to do. Now, the answer to this dilemma here is in the, the word itself. Resolution. Resolution. We've talked about it a, a bit already. Re-solution. Re-solution. I, I found a solution. I, I seem to not be able to keep that, but I have to re-solution. Resolve. Make that decision again. Find that solution again. Uh, make that adjustment again. Uh, move my hand so the, the, the broomstick remains upright and do what I have to do to resolve to honor the Lord with my life. Listen, I want to give you a a suggestion. Now, you don't have to take my my suggestions, of course, but uh, it's something that my family and I did when our children were little. And we would have, uh, it's Christmas time, we would have stockings. uh, And in some places we've lived, we didn't have a fireplace. But when we did, we actually put the stockings above the fireplace. And when we didn't have a fireplace, we put them in in some other place. But nonetheless, we have the the, uh, stockings. And in those stockings, uh, each year, uh, when we started the tradition, uh, we would, we would all make a personal, personal commitment to God. You see, because Christmas is the Lord Jesus' birthday. It's not our birthday. And we decided we're gonna give Him a gift. And the gift that we give Him, it was personal, it was private, uh, we wrote it down on a piece of paper, uh, and we put it inside that, that stocking that we had, a stocking for the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single one of us, all six of us. And then uh, we knew what it was. We knew uh, what commitment we had made. And then the following year, uh, before we would make another decision, another commitment, we would pull those old ones out and see how well we did with that commitment the previous year. As you understand, there were some times where we looked at it and said, eh, I didn't do so well. Uh, I need to do better. Uh, needless to say, we kept doing that. And that was a tradition that we did with our girls. And we wanted them to have a, a desire to give God a commitment with and in their life. And I, I encourage you to do something similar. Uh, maybe you can uh, write down some goals and write down some commitments and, uh, and, and check back every so often. Or maybe check back the following year and see how well you have done. Hey, listen, we need to be like the Apostle Paul. We need to press on. We need to press toward the mark. You and I, just like the Apostle Paul, have a high calling on our life. And that high calling is not to make a lot of money. Praise the Lord if you do. That high calling is not to be famous. Praise God if you're famous. That calling on your life is not to be someone of influence in the world. And praise the Lord if you're able not to be successful politically. That's not the high calling that we have. The high calling that we have on our life is to bring Him glory, to bring Him praise, and to do all that we can to use every resource we have for His kingdom. That's the high calling we have. And the Apostle Paul says, I press toward that mark. I press. I mean, I'm striving. I'm working, I'm toiling, I'm adjusting, I'm resolving, I'm, I'm making resolutions, I'm doing whatever it takes to press toward that mark.
So if you're one of uh, us that likes to make New Year's resolutions, uh, here's the sermon this, tonight, okay? How to fulfill your New Year's resolutions. Number one, point number one, if, you're, if you take notes, uh, write this down. Profess the problem. Profess the problem. Uh, first, you must admit that there is a problem before you can uh, solve that problem. Look at Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 12. The Apostle Paul, he says here, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. He's already implying, I, I know I'm not perfect. I know I've not uh, reached the level of, uh, of maturity that I need to be. He says, but I follow after. I follow after, if that, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I know I haven't attained. I know I haven't reached. I know I have a long way to go. I know I have my flaws. I know I have besetting sins. I know there are areas in my life that need improvement. Can we all agree with the Apostle Paul, uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest Christian to ever live, that we all have areas that need improvement? We can all agree. Uh, I mean, listen, we have areas that need improvement in our, in our spiritual walk. We have areas that need improvement uh, in our marital walk. We have areas that need improvement uh, in our parenting. We have areas that need improvement uh, in our work relationships. All of us have areas that need improvement. None of us have attained, none of us have reached the level of maturity and perfection where we say, well, I've got it all covered, I've done everything that needs to be done. No, no, no. As long as we're here on this earth, we will always have areas that need improvement. F.B. Meyer said this, he said, self-dissatisfaction lies at the root of our noblest achievements. Self-dissatisfaction. Not being satisfied with the status quo. Not being satisfied uh, with the bare minimum. Not saying, hey, well, this is enough. Uh, this is sufficient. No, 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 no. I, I press. I press. And in this area, I need to improve. And in this area, I need to do better. And in this area, I, I can do better. And I can become better. I can be stronger in whatever area we need to admit. We need to profess the problem. Uh, it's the same thing that we would normally refer to as someone who's addicted to some uh, 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 drug or, or some other vice. Until they admit that they have a problem, they'll never fix it. They'll never fix it. Listen to this story. Uh, Shane Olivier was signed by the New York Giants on July 10, 2008. He had played an offensive tackle and said that he was addicted to painkillers while he was playing the previous year for the San Diego Chargers. Olivier said that he did not confront his problem until his family intervened. He was treated at the Betty Ford Center in California. A rising star who only two years prior had just signed a six-year, $20 million contract with the Chargers. Olivier indicated that he used prescription pain medication for relief from a number of nagging injuries. He thought, however, he thought that he did a good job of hiding his addiction. Uh, He went on to say, he says, I mean, the people close around me, they knew. He thought that he had done a good job of hiding it, but his family noticed some changes in him. He says, I I wasn't the same person. He says, you can hide a lot of things, but your real friends and your family, uh, they know the real you. By the way, God knows the real you also. God knows the real you. Uh, He knows uh, the, 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 the person who you truly are that no one else knows. 
He knows the person that I am that no one else knows. He knows the struggles that we have that no one else may know. We can hide it from other people. Uh, Obviously, there are some things we can't hide. There are some sins we can hide from other people. Uh, Nonetheless, he goes on to say, uh, they saw a major change, and I thank God that they did. And by the grace of God, I was able to get my life turned around. The 26-year-old Olivier lost his starting job at right tackle uh, in the middle of the season, and he was eventually released by the Chargers that previous year, Uh, a move that he said he asked the team to make. Let me go. I I got issues. I got problems. I need to get this thing fixed. And and until I admit and I profess the problem, I'll never be willing and able to get it fixed. Uh, He went on to say it's a second chance in my life and in, and in football, and I'm just happy to have that opportunity, referring to being signed by the New York Giants. He said, a lot of guys aren't given this opportunity, so I feel very blessed and very fortunate to have that opportunity. So what's the first thing that we need to do to, to keep our New Year's, New Year's resolutions? First of all, we need to admit that we have a problem uh, in keeping them or admit that we have a problem that needs to be resolved. Okay, so profess the problem, number one, number one, number two, number two, not only profess the problem, uh, number one, number two, rather, purge the past, purge the past. In other words, you've failed in the past. Okay, forget about it. In other words, you've succeeded in the past. Okay, forget about it. In other words, don't let your past ruin your future. Don't let your past ruin your present. Uh, don't let your past, don't, don't let anything, whether it's success or failure, distract you from the, the present and the future. Look at, look what he says, the Apostle Paul, verse 13 of Philippians 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He says, but this one thing I do. One thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, listen, I got, I got a single focus. And my single focus is that high calling, that prize in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to forget about my past mistakes. I'm going to forget about my past failures. And I'm even going to forget about my past successes. Uh, you know how uh, when uh, David uh, killed Goliath and he came back to town, they were throwing a party, having a uh, uh, basically a parade for him, and, and they were singing. The women were singing. They say Saul, who was the king at the time, Saul, he had slain his thousands. Uh, he's a great king. Uh, he, he's a warrior king. He's slain his thousands. But David, David has slain his tens of thousands. I mean, he's even greater. Y'all, y'all remember the story in, in Scripture? Now, listen, I, I heard a preacher say this one time, long, long time ago, and I liked it. Because we have to understand that failure had slain its thousands. But also success, its tens of thousands. We got to be careful. Yes, the past, uh, it helps formulate who we are. The past uh, makes us the people that we are today. Praise God for the things that whether they're a success or maybe even some failures that help us to get to those successes. But the Apostle Paul, God through the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, forget the past. Uh, don't learn from the past. Yes. Don't make the mistakes from the past. Yes. Uh, maybe even honor uh, God in, in your past, but don't trust and rest in your past. You see, uh, it's the old adage. What have you done for me lately? You see, uh, only at work. OK, at work, if you say, well, you know, I've been here 20 years. And in these 20 years, however long you've been at your job, whatever the case may be, you say, well, I, I've been here this many, this many years, and, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. So for the next three months, 
I'm not going to do anything. Would you, would you uh, last long at that workplace? No, you wouldn't. They said, wait, 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 wait a second, buddy. We're paying you to work today. Oh, we're glad for what you did last week, and we're glad for what you did last year and 10 years ago. We're thankful for that, uh, but you're getting paid for what you do today. Today. And listen, the same is true in our spiritual walk. Thank God for the past. Uh, thank God for the failures and the, the failures that led to successes. And thank God for the successes. And thank God for the mountaintops. And thank God for the valleys. Thank God for them. But we cannot rest. We cannot say, well, I've done enough. We cannot say, well, uh, my past mistakes hinder me or, or my past failures stop me. No, no, no. We must press on. We must say, I'm going to purge the past to the point where I'm going to re- receive from it what I can. But I'm going to keep moving forward press on press on proverbs tells us that a just man falleth seven times and he stays down is that what the bible says a just man falleth seven times and after that seventh time he gives up is that what the bible says he says that the bible says the just man falleth seven times and he quits he says i'm done i can't take it anymore no 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 that's not what the bible says a just man falleth seven times and yet riseth up again. Hey, Christian, have you fallen this year? I can raise my hand and say, yes, I have fallen. I may not have fallen uh, to the degree that others have fallen, and some have not fallen to the degree that I've fallen. I may not have fallen in the areas that you have fallen, and you may not have fallen in the areas that I have fallen, but listen, we've all fallen. We all fall short of the glory of God. We've all fallen. The question is, are we going to get up And are we going to keep going forward for the Lord Jesus Christ? Don't stay down. Don't give up. Don't quit. Press on toward the mark for the high prize, the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Listen, uh, the Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't mean he won't be in the kingdom of God, but that means that he's not fit. In other words, uh, he's not the best to do that job. So let's make sure we're not serving God looking back. Serving God looking back. You know that, this is funny, okay, uh, those of you that have a vehicle, okay, the windshield is much bigger than the rearview mirror. You know why? Because you can't move forward looking backwards. You with me? You need more vision forward than you do backwards. You don't drive a vehicle looking behind you. If you do, let me know. I'll stay as far away from you as possible. You with me? The windshield looking forward is much larger than the rearview mirror looking backward. There's a reason for that. Because your attention needs to be forward. Uh, Your attention needs to be on the road in front of you. Your attention, most of the time, the majority of the time, is to be forward thinking. Let's make sure we don't end up like Lot's wife. Lot's wife, uh, as they were leaving uh, Sodom, leaving Gomorrah, uh, she looked back and she says, Man, we had some good times there. Man, I remember, man, that was so much fun. Man, I remember we went over to this place and we did this. You know, she turned back, and the Bible says she lost her life as a result. Listen, I'm grateful for churches like White Oak Baptist Church. 
I'm grateful, and all of you are, I can tell, just by the testimonies tonight. We're grateful for the, the legacy, the history uh, that this church has. And we're grateful for Pastor Brown and, and Pastor Peslag and, and Pastor Lejeune. Listen, all that they've done, all the investment they've made, and we honor them and we thank God for them. But we got to keep going forward. There's more people to be saved. There's more people to reach. Uh, they would want us to keep going forward. Uh, and listen, too many people in too many churches, uh, they stay stuck on the past. I remember when um, we visited our church in Baltimore, which would be our, considered our home church. Uh, that church has grown by leaps and bounds. I mean, they, they grew a ton while we were there, and they've grown a ton since we've left. Uh, more buildings have been built. And, and I remember going back and, and seeing the old classroom that I taught in, and it was not the same. And, you know, the flesh in me, the, 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 the human side of me said, oh, my classroom, it's no longer, it's not, oh, oh, what did they do? Uh, and you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, hey, buddy, it was there for you to use at that time. And you ministered to and you helped and you, you saw people say, at that time. But at this time, we got to move forward. We got other things to do. We got more people to reach. And God smote my heart and said, stop living in the past. Stop dwelling on the past and, and the buildings and the structure and the brick and mortar and, and drywall and wood. Listen, it's all important, but it's not more important to the point where we worship stuff. I've seen it all too often. Church members, well, we, this has been this way for 50 years and it's going to stay this way for the next 50 years. And I say, well, how are we going to reach more people? I know. I know there are some people, and pastors even mentioned me. He didn't give me any names. I know there are some people, and he didn't ask me to say this, okay? There are some people who are going to struggle with the idea that we're going from pews to chairs. Listen, okay? I understand. Emotionally, there's a connection. I get it. Emotionally, we like the look of the pew. I get it. But at the end of the day... In heaven, I don't know if we're going to have pews or chairs or we're going to sit on the ground. I have no idea. Who cares? At the end of the day, it does not matter if we get more people in the building, more people saved, more people in the kingdom, more people baptized, more people discipled. Then by all means, I'll sit on the floor if I have to. Y'all with me? I'll sit Indian style. And I, I, my legs don't bend very well anymore. <laughs> but I'll do whatever I have to do to reach more people. At our church in New York, God bless those folks, <laughs> we had these chairs on the platform that looked like they were from the 1600s. Like, seriously, I'm not kidding you. They, they, were, they, were, they looked like thrones. And um, seriously, I, I'm not joking. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. And they had three. They had one that was really large and tall, you know, one for like Pastor Lejeune. You know, he fit in that thing real good. Uh, one in the middle and then two on the sides that were a little smaller. And when I had first gotten there, you know, the one in the middle, which was the pastor's chair, was right behind the pulpit, right? So as I'm sitting, this is all I saw. <laughs> like, I can't see nobody. Like, this isn't no good, right? So I moved the chairs because I'm not a very tall guy, okay? I admit it, right? So I moved the chairs. All I did was move them, reposition them on the platform so I could actually see the people. Are you, listen, you're not going to believe this. I was shaking hands one day. People were coming and they said, oh. I said, what? What's wrong? What's the matter? They said, you move the chairs. I said, Lord, help me. What did I get myself into? Now, listen, those chairs had been there in that church in that same order for that person probably the entire time they've been in that church. Who knows, 30, 40, 50 years. 
And they just could not fathom the chairs being any different. And you know what God had, and I tried as best I could, as kindly as I could. Listen, the chairs are not all that important, okay? We're trying to reach people. And, as, and I, didn't have to, I didn't go into explaining all this. As I'm sitting there, I'm looking to see the visitors. I'm looking to see who's absent, who's not here, so I can reach out to them. But if I'm sitting directly behind the pulpit, I can't see nothing. I'm too short. Help me out. Y'all with me tonight? But they were so focused on the chairs. The past. I mean, 50 years. Who do you think you are coming and changing our chairs? Well, I'm just trying to reach more people. Bless God. I'm just trying to see more people saved. Bless God. And if all you care about is your chairs, and you don't care about that person walking. Listen, I can tell you story after story after story. They didn't have any AC in the building. And I'm telling you, they said, Pastor, we're in upstate New York. We're in southern Canada. It doesn't get hot up here. I said, are you sure? Oh, no, even if it does get hot once in a while in the summer, it won't even fall on a Sunday. You don't need AC. Oh, my goodness. That first summer, I sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat. I said, y'all lied to me. You bunch of liars. I didn't say it quite like that. I said, you are not telling the truth. So I went and got AC units. We got AC units. Put them in the, in the, in the, in the windows. You, you, you know that people had a hard time with that? They had a hard time with us getting AC. It's 2000, we're in the 21st century, people. Hello? I mean, if we're living in the 1800s, I understand. We have no AC. We've got to deal with it. This ain't the 1800s. People aren't coming in a horse and buggy to church. They're coming in an AC car. They don't want to come in and have the, their clothes stick to their backs in the pew. Listen, too many per- people in church are stuck in the past. Uh, and please don't take this offensively. I like what one preacher says. Too many people in churches are stuck on stupid. <laughs> and, and really, at the end of the day, it's just a building. It's, it's just a means to an end. To reach more people. And I get the whole emotional connection. I get it. I totally understand. But is it right? Is it scriptural? Too many people are stuck in the past. Uh, you remember the Israelites... Uh, when, when they were uh, wandering and, and they were complaining to Moses, would the God that you'd have left us in Egypt, uh, we remember the past in Egypt. We remember eating the leeks and the melons and, and, and all this food. Man, we had it good in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And they thought they had it good. Are you kidding me? That's what the flesh will do to you. It'll make you think that something that was horrible was really good because this is different. This is change. Pastor has made it clear. We're not changing doctrine. We're not changing our music style. We're not changing who we are fundamentally. All we're doing is changing the seats. That's it. Folks, let's make sure we're supportive of the leadership that God has placed here. Uh, Let's make sure we're supportive of the things that God is doing. Listen to this story. Uh, Profess the problem, purge the past. On his own personal website, Dan Jensen, he wrote this. Dan's first Olympic competition was in Sarajevo, Yugoslavia, when he was 18 years old. He finished fourth in the 500 meters. He was uh, 0.16 seconds away from winning bronze in those Olympics. Dan was the favored speed skater at the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary, Canada. But he needed all the courage he could gather uh, when on the day he was to race in the 500 meters, his sister Jane passed away from leukemia. 
That evening, Dan readied himself as best he could in hopes of winning the race uh, in honor of his sister. 100 meters into the race, Dan fell. He fell again four days later in the 1,000-meter race uh, while on a world record pace. Dan's third Winter Olympics occurred in 1992 in Albertville, France. By the way, he had yet to win any any medals at that point. Uh, He finished a disappointing fourth in the 500 meters and 26th in the the 1,000 meters. Again, the chance to win an Olympic medal eluded him. Dan's last shot at an elusive Olympic medal came in 1994 uh, in Lillehammer, Norway. Again, the favorite in the 500, Dan was on another world record pace when the unfathomable happened yet again. A slip in the final turn cost him a medal. He had fallen. He had fallen. Uh, He tried. He was favored. He had fallen time and time and time again. Four days later, Dan skated his last Olympic race in 1994. His last Olympic race. And Dan, uh, finally, he was going to race in the 1,000 meters, uh, skating, excuse me, in the fourth pair, Dan put to rest the Olympic so-called jinx. Uh, He raced to a world record and gold medal. Uh, He said, I knew that I had skated a solid race, but it wasn't until the second uh, or two after I finished when the crowd cheered and I looked at the clock that I realized I had finally skated to my potential. He said, I was pretty sure that it was good enough to receive a medal, uh, and I had a good thinking, uh, thought that maybe it was a, a good chance for a gold. And as the national anthem played and the American flag rose uh, uh, just in front of Dan Jensen, uh, he stood there proudly with his gold medal around his neck. He looked to the sky, and he, and he saluted to the heavens, and he said, this is for you, Jane. I love you. Now, now notice what happened. He failed. He fell. He failed again. He fell again, and he failed, and failed over and over and over. This man did not quit. This man did not throw in the towel. This man did not allow his past failures uh, to discourage him to the point that where he wouldn't race. This man says, I'm going to keep racing. I'm going to keep going forward. I'm going to do this because this is what I'm called to do. Listen, Christian. What you're called to do as a, just as a Christian in general, you're called to honor God with your life. You're called to please him. You're called to worship him. And then there's a specific calling for your life individually. There's a greater calling, but we all have the high calling of God. Let's not let the past failures, let's not let the past successes. Listen, purge the past. Get from the past what can help you and bless you, but forget about it. Let it be in the past. Uh, number one, in order to, to complete or uh, be able to keep our New Year's resolutions, we must profess the problem, number one. Number two, we must purge the past. And then lastly, number three, press toward the mark. Press toward the prize, rather. Press toward the prize. Uh, verse number 13 of Philippians chapter number three. Verse number 13. Everybody with me still? You still awake tonight? All right, look at verse number 13 of Philippians chapter three. Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says here, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Verse 14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 13, was quoted earlier in one of the testimonies, I can do all things, but not on my own, not in my own strength. 
not in my own power. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You see, uh, the Bible tells us uh, in the Old Testament, uh, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. If you're going to accomplish uh, your high calling of God on your life, if you're going to honor him with your life, it must be through the Lord Jesus Christ. We must press on. We must press forward. We must press upward. Uh, we must continue going forward for the Lord Jesus Christ in his power, in his strength, not in our own flesh. Listen, we try to do it in our own flesh, we're going to fall flat on our faces. We try to do it in our strength, we're going to fail, we're not going to make it. Uh, there's a poem in the Ladies' Home Journal that I read that, uh, that helped. I don't read the Ladies' Home Journal, but I happen to find this, amen? Um, I'm not a lady, never want to be, never going to be, amen? Uh, anyway, this poem helps us understand this point of pressing on, pressing on. The poem goes like this. I run for fitness, I eat for health, and I do yoga twice a day. I brush my hair a hundred times and even take ballet. I flush, uh, excuse me, I floss, not flush, I flush. <laughs> don't flush your teeth, amen? I flush, <laughs> amen. Even if you have dentures, don't floss them. I floss my teeth and ride my bike to exercise my heart. I hope to live a long, long time, but when does living start? When does living start? Is it when, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just the right size? Just the right fitness. Uh, is When does my living, when does my life actually count? When does it matter? Uh, when, when I have just the right amount of money? When I have just the right job? Uh, when I find just the right person? By the way, uh, you uh, being in a marriage is not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. Amen? Just a caveat on the side. Needless to say, uh, when does living start? Does it start when, you know, when finally when the kids are out of the house? Or, or when does living start? Uh, is it when uh, I'm just perfectly physically fit or is it when my health is perfect, which that will never happen? When, when does living start? Listen, I propose to you that living starts when we decide, when we choose, when we make a decision to say, I'm going to live for Christ. No matter come what may, no matter what happens, I'm going to live for the Lord and I'm pressing on toward that mark. That's when living starts. You see, because the Lord Jesus Christ, says, he said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's the true life. When you decide that you're going to live for the Lord, when you decide, okay, I, I remember uh, years and years and years ago, I decided that I was going to read my Bible through in a year. <laughs> Anybody with me? And I remember for the first four or five years, I would start and I would fall off. And then I'd start again and I would fall off. And I'd start again. I mean, this just kept happening. I kept getting a little closer each year. First year was like three months. The next year was like four months. And then it's six months. And then it's eight months. And, and then finally I broke through. Finally, after like five, year five or six, I finally was able to complete the entire Bible from cover to cover in one year. Man, I was so proud of myself. I was so excited. Listen, that was a challenge for me. That was a, and, and since then I've done it for many, many, many years. But I'm telling you, life really truly starts When we decide, Lord, my life doesn't matter unless I'm living it for you. Lord, my life doesn't matter. You see, because thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Christian, you're created for his pleasure. You're not created for your pleasure. And praise the Lord, he gives us some of our pleasures even while we're living for him. But that's not what we're created for. We are created for, like the Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. 
and reaching forth under those things that are before. I press toward the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, what, what New Year's resolutions do you have in your spiritual walk? That's when you truly start living. Listen, if it's, if it's for you maybe to read through the New Testament this next year, then by all means. If it's for you to read just through the Old Testament this year, have at it. If it's for you to say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm way past that, uh, read to the whole Bible this year. Uh, some people that I know read to the Bible two years, uh, two, twice in a year. I, I know some people that have a goal to read through the Bible in a few months. Man, that's great. Have some kind of goal. Have something that you're shooting for, that you're aiming for. Is it to learn how to witness? Then by all means. Uh, is it to come, uh, maybe it's, you're, you're a relatively new Christian and man, maybe I need to get baptized or, or maybe I need to start tithing or, uh, uh, by the way, that's, that's commanded for all Christians. Amen. Uh, can I get an amen there? Amen. All right. <laughs> Just a couple of us. Amen. All right. So, uh, start tithing. Uh, maybe it's to start witnessing. Maybe start coming out Tuesday night or Saturday. Listen, I don't know. Maybe it's to go from being just a Sunday morning only Christian to going to Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Uh, I don't know what the goal is for you. Uh, maybe it's to start a personal, uh, devotional each and every day to start a prayer time, have a prayer closet. I don't know what the goal is for you, but listen, we all need to have something that we're aiming for in 2020. You don't start living, truly living, until you start living for the Lord Jesus. That's when you truly start living. Uh, Maybe there's a commitment uh, of a ministry that you can be a part of in White Oak Baptist Church in 2020. Uh, Maybe it's raising my kids or my grandkids or teaching them the scriptures the best I know how. Uh, Maybe you haven't done a good job of that and you want to do better. Or maybe you've done a good job and you want to improve. Listen, have a spiritual goal in your life this year. You've heard the old saying, he that aims at nothing hits it every time. Every time. We got to aim for something. Even if you only keep it for a month, that's better than not keeping it at all. Even if you only fulfill it for two months, that's better than not at all. Even if you only fulfill it for six months, listen, that's better than not at all. Uh, let's, let's purge the past. Let's profess the problem. Let's purge the past. And let's press toward the prize. It's not a prize for us. It's a prize for the Lord. Uh, It's not so we can get glory. It's so that he can get glory. How about it tonight? Uh, Let's decide whether you're a New Year's resolution person or not. Let's make a decision this evening that we are going to honor the Lord with our life. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you tonight. Lord, we do love you. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness in our lives, Lord, in spite of the fact that we fall short so many times and so frequently and so often. And yet, Lord, you still are faithful to us. Lord, you want to use us. You want to bless us. You want to glorify yourself through our lives and through our efforts here on earth. And we pray, dear God, that as we close out this year, 2019, and we look forward to what you have for us uh, as a church, uh, as families, Lord, and even as individuals that you have for us this coming year. Lord, if you tarry and if you don't return and you don't rapture us out of here, Lord, you want us to serve you. You want us to live for you. That's your will for our lives. We pray that you help us to do that. Help us to make whatever decisions are necessary in order to accomplish that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here this evening and you say, Preacher, the Lord spoke to my heart. Well, I hope and pray that he did through his word. 
And if the Lord has spoken to you and he said there's, he's touched an area in your life where uh, maybe you've got to improve or you've got to adjust or uh, you've got to change. Hey, now's the time. Make that decision. Uh, commit to the Lord. Make that resolution. Resolve in your heart that you're going to press toward the mark. I pray that the Lord has spoken to your heart tonight. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. No one is looking around. Uh, let's make decisions for the Lord. The altar is open uh, as Miss Debbie plays. If the Lord has spoken to your heart, uh, let's make decisions for God. Uh, even if we can't keep them the entire year. Hey, one month is better than none. Hey, two months is better than none. Hey, six months is better than none. Hey, what has the Lord spoken to you about tonight? Maybe you're here this evening and you say, preacher, I don't even know for sure that I'm saved. I don't even know that if I were to die today that I'd spend eternity in heaven. Maybe that's you tonight. Hey, the Lord, his first goal for you is to get saved, to receive the gift of salvation through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if you don't know for sure you're saved, let us help you with that. Uh, Let us show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you'll spend eternity in heaven. That's the first step. That's the first step. That's the greatest resolution anybody can make. Maybe you're here tonight and say, Preacher, I'm saved. I know I remember the time in my life when I trusted Christ as my Savior. Maybe you're not, you haven't been scripturally baptized. How about it tonight? Hey, let's make a commitment. Let's make a decision to honor the Lord in believer's baptism. How about it tonight? Maybe you're saved. Maybe you're baptized. You say, Preacher, I'm saved. I'm baptized. I remember when that happened. But you're not a member of White Oak Baptist Church. You're not a member of any church. Man, we sure would love to have you. We'd love to have you as a member here. How about it tonight? What has the Lord spoken to you about this evening?